coming up on this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Less than a third of Americans, only 31%, believe that a new nuclear deal will make the world truly safer by truly preventing Iran from building nuclear weapons. What would happen if Iran actually acquired nuclear weapons? Would Israel and the world be facing a second Holocaust? In today's turbulent world, is anything unthinkable? And how do we respond to attacks and persecution today? Hi, welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. And today we're continuing our conversation about the recent poll taken by the Joshua Fund. Joel, we're so glad that you could join us from Jerusalem again, and we're very happy to continue our fascinating conversation about this poll that we've just recently taken. You know, can you get us up to speed again for those who haven't heard the first couple episodes of this podcast series that we've done? Sure. Well, we've seen uh, so much interest in the mainstream media, the so-called mainstream media, about whether uh, what's happening with COVID, what's happening with the Russia invasion of Ukraine, are there any of these things related to Bible prophecy? There's been obviously a lot of conversation in the Christian world, but even in the Jewish world, as we've written about on All Israel News and and wrote about uh, even on the Joshua Fund website as we released this poll, you and I decided, well, there's so much media coverage of this topic, most of it super snarky, mocking, you know, all oh, these Christians, they think, okay, so we said, well, look, is this some small sliver of the population, at least in the United States, that is thinking maybe there's a larger significance, maybe a biblical, possibly even a prophetic significance to these huge cataclysmic events, you know, the largest land war in Europe since the end of World War II, which was, you know, the worst in history, the worst health crisis uh, in the last hundred years, uh, six million people around the world dying. I don't think it's surprising. I know you don't think it's surprising that people might think this might be bigger than just a bad day, right? right. This is not a very, you know, bad, no good, whatever day. This is this might be bigger. So you and I decided let's go commission a survey and actually find out what people think. And again, in the first two segments, uh, first two podcasts on this series, I would recommend uh, people go back and listen because what we found was 40% of the American people not just Christians, 40% of all Americans, agnostics, atheists, secular, Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, evangelical, across the board, different races, different religions, different regions. 40% of Americans believe that the COVID pandemic is evidence of what Jesus spoke of, of the signs right. of the last days when he spoke right. in Luke chapter 21 about pestilence, about plagues in the last yeah. days. And then the Russian invasion of Ukraine. No, the Bible doesn't say Russia will invade Ukraine. But when you look at the magnitude of this particular war and the horror that's going on, 40 percent. It's interesting, the same number, almost almost exact same number. 40 percent of Americans believe that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is consistent with it. It's a fulfillment of Jesus saying that there'll be wars and rumors of wars and kingdoms rising against kingdom and nation against nation in the last days. Right. 40% 40% of the American people, that's 103 million people over the age of 18. That's not Incredible. a small group, and the media may continue to sneer and snark, but it suggests this is a conversation people want to have, and I'm grateful yeah. that we have a podcast that that's the type of thing we talk about. We wish we didn't have to. I wish right. COVID didn't exist. I wish Russia hadn't invaded, but 
people need are trying to understand what it means. Yeah. And Joel, I think our listeners will know that, you know, in looking at this poll, you know, we wanted to ask uh, three categories of questions around what you just described about these signs of, of the times. And, you know, one was the, the Russian-Ukrainian uh, war and its relationship to potentially uh, either a harbinger of or a prelude to some biblical prophecy being fulfilled, the COVID epidemic and the pandemic pestilence that has, you know, really uh, dominated our, our world for the last two years. And the third was uh, the concept of a nuclear Iran and what would happen if Iran did go nuclear and, you know, what were people's thoughts on on how that would look? But, you know, the funny thing is, and we're going to get to this in this podcast as well, is another sign of the time is that you will be persecuted and you will be uh, mocked and you will be brought about in opposition uh, when you stand for the truth. So I think we want to talk a little bit about that in this uh, podcast as well. But since we covered both the Russia-Ukraine war and the COVID situation a bit, let's dive into this question about Iran. And so much of the concept about Iran has been in the United States, the, the hostility of the government against the United States, you know, death to America. What's the difference between, you know, what the, the government is saying and, and, you know, some of the things that we found that the people, and then let's talk about how Americans see what would happen if a nuclear Iran did come about. Yeah, there is an interesting way to frame the question, Carl, because I think what we're learning is that there's a significant disconnect between the Iranian regime the clique that rules uh, Iran with this iron fist from the top, from Tehran, the capital, and the rest of the nation, right? Um, I haven't seen any um, solid polling inside Iran, but we can see from the protests and we can see from a number of other anecdotal trend lines that many Iranians have completely rejected the thinking, even the religion, of the regime in Iran, if the Iranian regime says we hate America, they're like, maybe America's not so bad. If they say we hate Israel, well, they're like, maybe Israel's good. Like they so hate their own government. They're so disgusted by the cruelty and the, the corruption and the, and the waste of all this oil money on building nuclear weapons and building you know, missiles and funding terrorist organizations and always fomenting trouble. And the Iranian people are suffering high unemployment, yeah. high inflation. Uh, the, the value of the currency has collapsed. It's a very yeah. dark situation there. And people are like, enough. It's the government's fault. It's not America's fault. It's not Israel's yeah. fault. Maybe we don't love every policy from Israel, the United, uh, the United States, but, but it's our government's fault. That's a huge disconnect from the government, which is hellbent, I would say, yeah. on filling their theological and political objectives, which is setting up the world to receive what they believe is the Messiah, the coming mm. of the one that's going to rule the whole world, known to Shia Muslims as the 12th Imam mm -hmm. or the Mahdi. It's the same concept. And to do that, the Iranian regime believes they have to commit genocide against all Jews and all Christians and wipe wow. out Israel and wipe out the United States. And then that sort of creates the conditions for their religious leaders to come and make the world right. That is That's not what most some do, of yeah. course, but most don't. And but they're trapped. They're enslaved by this regime. Yeah, true, true. So, so moving from there to the results of the poll in America, I mean, we do look at the regime in Iran that is uh, just as you said, it's it's hell bent on the destruction of Israel. And we found some fascinating things about what Americans think about what would happen 
if Iran did develop a nuclear weapon. Why don't you go into some of those things that the poll told us? Sure. Well, one thing that was interesting that uh, I want our listeners to know is that we didn't actually ask if what's going on in Iran is prophetic. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have at some point. But since the COVID pandemic already has happened and is happening and, you know, six million people have died. Right. And uh, then the Russians have invaded Ukraine. It's not like speculative. Right. And so in this case, will Iran get nuclear weapons? Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, will they try to you know, nuke Israel or the United States? We don't know yet. So then the question for us was in these major threats to the world, uh, geopolitical, health wise, whatever. How do American people think? Right. Because. You know, there are many uh, leaders in Washington and in other capitals who say, look, Iran is a problem, mm. but they're not crazy. They, this regime is not genocidal. They're not going to try to, you know, you know, maybe they want nuclear power. Maybe they want to build nuclear weapons. Maybe they do, but they're not going to use them. Don't let's not be ridiculous. There are widely different views. And the, the, the majority of political leaders in Washington at the moment think Iran is a serious problem, but maybe not existential. Mm. And so what do the American people think? So we asked. So we just said, all right, here's the thing. So there was two sets of questions that are related. First, do you believe that the new nuclear deal that the international community is negotiating with the leaders of Iran? And again, as we record this, that deal is not finalized, but by the time it runs, it, it may be. It could be, so yeah. We're not analyzing the specifics of a deal because we don't have those specifics. But generally, as we get closer, and the talk is that there may be a deal soon, we were asking people, do you believe that the new nuclear deal, if it happens, will make the world safer or more dangerous? Hmm. Because in, in many ways, that's a value judgment. That's an instinct of whether you are trusting Iran and their motives, and if you trust the, the leaders who are negotiating with Iran, that they could get a good deal, right? Or don't you? And, and I think, in a sense, we're trying to get a sense of where people come out on that. And that that's really interesting. We gave people two possible answers. So the answer, you know, the question is, do you believe it's going to make the world safe or more dangerous? So the first one was, yes, I believe that the new Iran nuclear deal will make the world safer by truly preventing Iran – from building nuclear weapons. So that was one option, very clear, very direct. The other option was no, I believe that the new Iran nuclear deal will make the world more dangerous Mm -hmm. by lifting the economic sanctions, giving Iran's government enormous new oil revenues and making it easier for Iran to fund and hide its efforts to build nuclear weapons we all, all right, we gave him a third option, and that was, I don't know. <laughs> so that we, we wanted to be fair. A lot of people are like, I, I don't know. I, you know. I don't focus on these things. So this is interesting what the answers were, right? Less than a third of Americans, uh, only 31%, believe that a new nuclear deal will make the world truly safer by truly preventing Iran from building nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Now, you think of the stakes that are involved here. And I don't mean politically. We weren't, you know, the Joshua Fund is not trying to do this polling in order to encourage one political party or the other or one candidate or another or even legislation. We're just trying to understand what do the American people think and how can we be praying because we're praying for peace. We're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. These issues matter. If a nuclear deal can make Israel safer and the United States safer and our allies safer, 
Amen. Like that's a good thing. But do people believe that or not? Only 31 percent, less than one in three Americans think that, which is pretty serious. Right. There's deep seated uh, skepticism. So nearly half, not quite half, to be honest, uh, nearly half, 47.4 percent of Americans believe that the new nuclear deal will actually make things worse, will make the world more dangerous by lifting the sanctions and allowing Iran to make a lot of money. Oil prices are, you know, nor- mm-hmm. or roughly around $100 a barrel right now. They were $20 a barrel a year ago. So if you let Iran sell their oil, you're just pumping hundreds of millions, possibly, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars right. into their economy very, very quickly. And the question is, what do you think they're going to do with it? Uh, it'd be nice right. if they were going to just, you know, build nicer schools and, you know, help people with their health care. But most uh, or the plurality of Americans don't think that. Now, that left 21.3 percent, roughly one in five, saying, I really don't know. So they're they're trying to figure it out. They're watching uh, what's going on. Let me stop there and go back to you. I mean, we we broke that down by region, by race, uh, right. uh, political views, whatever. I will say, interestingly, 55% of evangelical born-again Christians uh, say, no, it's going to make things worse. So that right. is a majority. You know, interestingly, uh, 41% of Jews think it'll make things worse. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean the 60% think it's going to make it better. That, that splits between... Um, I guess I think we'll make it better or I just don't know. So there's real skepticism there. Maybe you could go back a little bit because, you know, some of the opinions that uh, that people have about these things sometimes are contingent on what they understand uh, or what they actually, as you said, believe that the government of Iran would would do with a nuclear program. You know, build peaceful nuclear plants or, or build a bomb. But what are some of the things that, that you know from studying not just the Bible, but history and recent geopolitics uh, that the current leadership of Iran have said about what their intent is. I mean, one thing I love about you, Joel, is that you look, you look at things and you just say, Hey, what happens if we actually believe what they're saying? And if they actually do what they're saying they'll do, what is it that they've said? Let me answer that question. And let me start by saying just an interesting example, the United Arab Emirates, which is a moderate Arab country, just right across what the Emiratis call the Arabian Gulf, what the Iranians call the Persian Gulf. But they're literally countries that are right across the, the water from each other. They can't quite see each other, but they're close. The Emiratis have a nuclear program. They have a civilian, peaceful nuclear program. And the way they did it is to have international inspectors look at everything. They buy mm-hmm. fuel for their power plant. They're, you know, they're trying to shift off of oil and gas, which is, you know, they're, they're one of the Arab countries that have a ton of it, but they know it's running out. And so they decided mm-hmm. to build a civilian nuclear peaceful uh, system to, to generate power. But the way they do it is they buy or almost like rent this enriched uranium to use to create the nuclear reaction that heats up the water, that turns the turbines, that makes the power. And then when they've used those fuel rods, they basically send them back and they get a new round. So they, they're, what they're not doing is they're not enriching uranium. But when you mm-hmm. have a nuclear reactor, you have all this spent fuel. But that spent fuel, you can't use it in one way, but you can use it to build a bomb if you keep enriching it. That's what Iran is doing. So I just want to set up a, as an example that they're, it's not like you say, well, every country that has nuclear power, they've all built nuclear weapons. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically not true in the Middle East. 
where you have two countries right next to each other. Iran is saying we want peaceful civilian nuclear power. What's the problem with that? Yeah, but then why are you building these things underground? Right. Why are you enriching the uranium to 60%? Why are you right. saying you're going to enrich it to 90%, which is military-grade, bomb-grade? The UAE is not doing that. So you have a yep. real sharp contrast. But that gets to your point about what are they saying? And the problem with Iran is there's, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Hmm. Right. So right now in these negotiations, whenever they're negotiating, they're like, listen, we're just trying to have peaceful nuclear power. And you guys are all getting spooked, even though the Americans have it and the Russians have it and the Chinese have it mm-hmm. and, and whatever. The British, French. And they say, and Israel has it. OK, well, mm-hmm. Israel's not threatening to wipe Iran off the planet. Iran's leaders have consistently, repeatedly said death to Israel, death yeah. to the United States. I and mean, that's literally a prayer. Millions of people turn out on Fridays for prayer and they say death to, you know, the, the, the imam, wow. the cleric says, pray this with me, death to America, death to Israel. Wow. That's being said every week, sometimes every day. But then saying- there are also leaders who have said on the record, and I quoted them in my books and on all Israel news, and maybe we'll put some links in the show mm-hmm. notes to mm-hmm. actual quotes by actual Iranian leaders, and it's all footnoted, and you can see where it's from, saying Israel's a one-bomb country. We just fire one nuclear weapon there, and we wipe out the whole thing. We're going to wipe Israel off the map. This is the consistent language, and it has been for decades. So you can't just listen to the negotiators in Vienna. Right. You have to listen to the other things in which they've been very clear what they want. Uh, Well, Joel, this is fascinating. We've got to take a quick break right now. And uh, I want to get back to uh, the poll and also some of the current events that are that are happening right now that also support the narrative that that we should be looking for the signs of the times. So let's take a quick break. Today's verse of the day is found in Hebrews 13.3. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. In our prayer requests today, specifically around the nation of Iran, are for number one, wisdom for world leaders as they continue to engage talks with Iran. Secondly, Pray that we would have a love for the Iranian people, despite the radical rhetoric of their leaders. And third, pray for the underground Muslim background believing church in Iran, the fastest growing church in the world. Well, Joel, as we come back, I'm touched by just a quick thought about that last prayer point about the underground church in Iran. You know, we just finished with the radical rhetoric of the leadership of Iran, but maybe we could just touch on for a second how this Muslim background believing church, the the church that is coming to faith in Jesus Christ, it's the fastest growing church in the world by many accounts. And I would just love for our listeners to hear your perspective on what God is doing in that context too, as we look at this situation. Well, Iran's leadership is taking the nation of Iran, the Iranian people, some 80 million, down a very dangerous path. First, the potential of a, of a massive war with Israel, maybe with the United States, over this whole issue, uh, which would be devastating. Um, and obviously, none of us want to see a war. None of us want to see Iran get a nuclear weapon. I certainly don't. But I hope it doesn't come to 
requiring a war to stop them because that is going to be devastating. But I think also there are prophecies that the Iranian leadership is leading the Iranian nation into judgment. And we'll talk about on future podcasts a number of prophecies, one of which we have talked about, the prophecies of Ezekiel 38 and 39, the War of Gog and Magog, where Iran is going to be a partner with Russia and a group of other countries to try to attack Israel in the last days. You know, we don't know, but to speculate for a moment, we'd say, well, maybe Iran does get nuclear weapons and they come and Israel's thinking, how do we handle this, right? Because now they have Mm -hmm. the bomb. Maybe they're prevented from getting the bomb and they come with conventional forces. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But the Bible does say that Iran and Russia and these other countries will be judged uh, with the judgment of God that will decimate these countries. Not every person is going to die. I don't mean that, but I just mean it's going to be bad. And so the Iranian leadership is cursing Israel every single day in its pronouncements. And it's inciting the people to curse Israel. Again, death to Israel and all these curses every day. Well, the Bible says, and you know, this is our key passage for the Joshua Fund, is the Abrahamic Covenant. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And God says, when, he, when he's talking about blessing the nation of Israel, the, the families of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob being Israel. And, and God says, I will bless those who bless thee, or bless you, but those mm-hmm. who curse you, I will curse. Well, if you have an entire government whose mission is to curse Israel every single day and mm-hmm. is talking about wiping Israel off the map, it's inviting the judgment of God. So these are the things that are bad. And we have to say, look, don't we want God to show mercy on the people of Iran? Yes. He he said he's going to judge them. So at some point it's going to happen, but maybe before that God's Holy spirit would change the hearts of, you know, regular everyday people, maybe even leaders, maybe even family members of the top leadership and change their hearts to realize that Jesus Christ is God, that he is the one true Messiah and Savior, and that there is forgiveness and eternal life only found in the name of Jesus. More than a million, and we believe it's probably several million, Iranian Shia Muslims have converted and come to faith in Jesus Christ since 1979. We actually know there's data that shows that in 1979, before the Iranian uh, Islamic Revolution, there were only 500 Hmm. known Muslim converts to Christ in the entire nation of Iran. Let's say there were, I don't know, 35, 40 million people at the time, only 500 uh, Muslim converts to Christ. Today, the population has doubled. So now Mm -hmm. we're at north of 80 million people. But now we know there's at least a million and probably several million Shia Muslim converts to Christ. And I've interviewed more than 40 Iranian pastors, many of them have come from Muslim background themselves. You know, we should do some podcasts upcoming Mm -hmm. on them so we understand how an Iranian can love his or her country while being so disagreeing so deeply with the government. Yeah, it's one of the most fascinating stories. And I know we will cover this in another podcast in the future. And you've done interviews with leading ministers who are uh, helping to see more Iranians come to faith. Uh, Hormoz Shariat comes to mind and and others. In, in, in the books that you've written and in the work that you've done, you know, this is evident. This, this is something we can see. 
And it does point out the difference that God is moving among the people of Iran. God is touching hearts. He's, he's showing up in people's dreams and visions in such a way that those people are finding true faith in Jesus, believing uh, his word and, and following him despite the odds. But we know that this is still a, a nation ruled by radicals. And, yeah, uh, and, and, and it's really imprisoned. I mean, imprisoned. I yeah, that's like a, you know, Hebrews thirteen three. I think right. you know. Yes, there are some people who are actually in physical prisons, Christians and, and nominal Muslims, and anybody that's resistant to this regime, or, or certainly people trying to follow Jesus. There's a lot of pastors in Iran in actual prisons, but the whole country is a prison. Mm. Eighty million people have no freedom to think what they think, to believe what they want to believe, to go where they want to go, say what they want to say. It's one of the most tyrannical and wicked regimes on the planet. Mm. Uh, the current president of Iran, uh, Raisi, uh, he's, he's on the American sanctions list, the U.S. government sanction list, for being in, involved in murdering 30,000 wow. of his own people. Wow. 30,000. And Amazing. yet we're trying to make a deal, not just the United States government, but the world community is trying to make a deal with a murder of 30,000 people and think, you know, maybe if we, you know, make things a little easier for them, then they're going to sort of come around. I don't see it. The plurality of most Americans don't see it. One right. thing, I, I know we're going to get back to the poll in just one minute. I just want to say also about, you know, you, you since Hebrews 13.3 is our verse, this is apropos of nothing except the verse. Recently, we had a case here in the Holy Land where a Palestinian evangelical pastor was arrested. Uh, he wasn't even charged. It was unfair, unjust. He was accused mm -hmm. of uh, hosting an Israeli member of the parliament in his church, except, and it was true that that parliament member, former, came to the church, but the pastor didn't even know the person. He was invited by somebody else who was a, a tour group that was coming, and the pastor of the tour group said, hey, to this parliament member, why don't you come and and visit me where I'm going to be yeah. over here in Bethlehem. Anyway, it became a big story. And for 40 days and 40 nights, that sounds prophetic, yeah. this pastor, Johnny Shawan, was uh, was imprisoned. And um, all Arab news reported on it, uh, called for President Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Authority, to to intervene. Uh, the Joshua Fund and others, uh, you know, wanted to educate people and, and mobilize prayer, mm -hmm. right, because uh, of Hebrews 13.3. And mm -hmm. I and, um, I just want to say that uh, most people in the world, I think, didn't hear about it. But I do want to say that the power of prayer, um, God released the pastor and um, there was a happy ending, even though I think we need to pray for him and his family as he to try to recover. It was a traumatic experience. But this is a truism throughout this region. And some governments, it's a policy. Others, sometimes their people arrest people unfairly and then they have to say, well, is that do we really want that? Or maybe we let them out. I don't want to get into the politics of the Palestinian authority right now. There's, it's right. pretty complicated. It's a different topic for a different podcast. Right. But I am grateful that in this case, uh, the prayers of Christians all over the world uh, prevailed as well as some back uh, channel uh, encouragement. Right. Uh, and Palestinian president Mahmoud Abbas uh, did uh, intervene and, and the pastor was released. So, uh, Praise God. You know, Praise God. But we got to remember what the scriptures tell us when they say, don't forget about people in prison. Right. Right. Even well, if they are guilty, but especially yeah. when they're. 
Well, and especially those that have been imprisoned for their faith, that have been unjust imprisonment and, and a variety of other things that we recognize. And, and you know, the, it kind of circles back to the nexus of what we're talking about here in terms of the signs of the times and the reality that the perception of many Americans is that these things are indicating even prophetic fulfillment. I mean, I think we were shocked to see some of the responses about even atheists believing that this, <laughs> some of these things might point to Jesus's return. But, you know, as we look at this, uh, this issue of rising persecution, we're also seeing the rising growth of a persecuted church in Iran. We're seeing uh, more and more believers come to faith uh, in Israel and the West Bank and in other places around uh, the Muslim world. And it's a, it's a fascinating reality that all of these things, the more that there's uh, risk and issues with governments and wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and pandemics and threats of violence of uh, against Israel and against the people of God in the region, we're also seeing this revival and this uh, true church emerging out of persecution. And I think uses it sometimes. I mean, it's evil in, in the intent of the people that are doing the persecution, but yeah. sometimes God rattles people to get them to decide, you know, am I serious about my walk with Christ or not? Or if they're not a follower of Christ and they're just being, you know, treated terribly, it could be persecution of a Muslim by a radical Muslim, or it could be persecution of a Jew by a radical Muslim or whatever. Sure. The point is God allows bad things to happen in people's lives. Right. Why? Well, there are several reasons, but one of them is to rattle, to shake people right. into thinking, if I were to die, do I know that I'm going to heaven? Do I know that when I breathe my last breath here on mm. earth, that my next breath will be in the presence of God forever and ever? Or am I going to go to hell? Like Sometimes horrific trauma cleans away all the things that distract us in life. And get it down, yeah, clarify the core issue yeah. of eternal life or eternal death. And I think in Iran, that's particularly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would argue that nobody knows the nature of the Iranian regime better than the Iranian people. Hmm. And we need to understand the Iranian regime as well as, at least as well as, the Iranian people. Because the Iranian people yeah. are horrified. Not all of them, but most of them are horrified by their government. Whereas... European, Western, American leaders too often, not always, but too often think, no, these Iranian leaders, they're just misunderstood. They've been off the international highway of uh, uh, the international community, but they need an on-ramp back on. Do they? I mean, that's the question. If they get back on the highway, do they drive with everybody else and stop at a park and have a picnic? Or do they try to push everyone else off the road and, and throw grenades in every direction? Like, you have to understand your enemy. Right. Or at least your adversary to understand is bringing this regime back into normal compliance with the world and letting them sell their oil and whatever, is that going to help keep the world safe? And what about the Iranian people themselves? Or is it going to just empower and embolden and enrich the very persecutors that are so wicked and so evil and calling for genocide? And which brings us to the next question of the yeah. poll. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, go for it. I was going to ask a question about why you feel like Americans might be shocked to know that a, just a few weeks ago, as we record this, that there was a historic meeting of Gulf states, foreign ministers, including Israel, with the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, about their opposition, united opposition, to a deal with Iran on this nuclear question. So, 
I'm shocked that that didn't get any coverage, but perhaps maybe there's some other reasons why Americans are deeply skeptical that diplomacy of any kind will, would stop the Iranian regime. Well, we certainly covered it on all Israel news and all Arab news. You're right. We had uh, Israel's foreign minister, Yair Lapid, hosted the event and the, the foreign ministers from uh, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Morocco and Egypt were all with us. And it was fascinating. And and there was a real sense of unity. Let, we want to work on peace, but we are deeply concerned about Iran. And uh, look, I think that despite all the political rhetoric that we often hear out of Washington and Brussels and other places, uh, Paris, uh, Moscow and Beijing, mm-hmm. that says, no, 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 the Iranians, yeah, like, well, they, they've done some things wrong, but we can work with them. Most Americans don't believe that because what have they seen? No terror organization has killed more Americans um, than Iran except for al-Qaeda. Okay, Iran is the nation that took over the U.S. embassy uh, in Tehran and held American diplomats hostage for 444 days, uh, humiliating the United States when we had been one of the best friends of the people of Iran and an ally of Iran for decades and decades and decades. I'm not saying there aren't historical issues and problems that the U.S. has made mistakes and and Iran has been upset with us. I get that. But to take a a diplomatic compound hostage and humiliate them, you know, on national world television for 444 days is horrible. And Americans remember that. It was seared into their consciousness. And if they don't remember it, they watch the movie Argo, which, of course, won the Academy Award for right. Best Picture as Ben Affleck took us into the world of what did that look like? What did that feel like? And mm-hmm. that was quite a reminder. Or for those who are too young to remember, uh, it was maybe the first picture of what happened. But there have been other cases where uh, U.S. Uh, Marines uh, in, in the barracks guarding the people of Lebanon in Beirut in 1982, uh, an Iranian terror organization known as Hezbollah, uh, sometimes pronounced Hezbollah. Uh, it's a wholly owned subsidiary of Tehran. And they drove a truck bomb into the Marine barracks, killing, I believe, yeah. 242, 241 U.S. citizens, Marines. Yeah. Horrific and I would say unprovoked. And this has kept happening over and over and over. Iranian weapons and terrorists uh, attacked uh, American soldiers in Iraq when we were trying to liberate Iraq over those years, starting in 2003. And then the American people just see the rhetoric. They see the leader of Iran saying we're going to wipe Israel off the map. They see the death to Israel, death to America protests. And, and, you know, this has been going on since 1979. I mean, that's 40 years, 43 years. That brand is deeper than any Western political leader saying, no, no, it's not really so bad. Yeah, I get most it. Most Americans, God bless them, don't see it that way. And um, uh, certainly most Israelis don't because we're we're on the front lines. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where you live is is their uh, center of their target. And it's remarkable in this time to see all of these things lining up and to still see that as much as we try to educate everyone about what's uh, happening in, in this time, uh, in both in terms of biblical prophecy, but also in light of the current realities of life in uh, Israel and the neighboring countries, um, so many people are just uh, not paying attention. And we need we need to do more to make people sit up and take notice. But Joel, maybe you can summarize the kind of 
things that we've been talking about over these last several podcasts about about the perception of where we are biblically at this time, where we are potentially geopolitically, and, and how does all of this figure together uh, in your mind? Well, to me, I think that we are facing the possibility of a second Holocaust from mm-hmm. Iran. Look, look, if diplomacy works, wonderful. But the question we have to ask ourselves, if it, if it doesn't work, yeah. um, then what? what? What are Iran's intentions? Now, when I say if diplomacy doesn't work, that there's two ways that it could not work. The deal could fall apart by the time this airs uh, or, or runs or whatever. Maybe, maybe there is no deal. Maybe the whole n- discussion implodes and we don't have a deal. Then what? Mm-hmm. But the other, the other side is what if there is a deal and it's horrible? Like, what if the deal, you know, everybody's, you know, what if it's the deal like Neville Chamberlain, the prime minister of uh, Great Britain, made a deal with Hitler and then announced this is peace in our time. Like, this is great. And yet it wasn't. It was, you know, Chamberlain had been duped Mm -hmm. and it was Winston Churchill who was saying, no, what are you talking about? You can't make a deal with Hitler because Hitler's written Mein Kampf. Haven't you read what he wrote? Haven't you listened to what he said? Now he's trying to make a deal with you. But just to to bamboozle you that actually yeah. he's going to commit genocide. Nobody listened to Churchill hmm. and they wanted Chamberlain to be right. Sure. But here's another, so we asked another question and it's worth making sure we shoehorn in this uh, before the podcast ends. We asked a second question and that was if the Iranian regime is able to build an arsenal of fully operational nuclear weapons, hmm. you believe that such weapons will pose a threat to the 6 million Jews who live in Israel. And I should note uh, that obviously it's not just 6 million Jews, so also another 2.5 million, uh, almost 3 million, uh, both Arabs and, and others. But, but again, um, it's not Muslims that the Iranians say that they're targeting, right? It's Jews, but we all live intermingled here. Right. That was an interesting question because, again, it went to the question of what's, what are the American people's instincts are if the diplomacy doesn't work, what do you think Iran's intentions are? Hmm. And, and these results are really striking. We gave people one of three possible answers. One, yes, I believe the Iranian regime wants to use nuclear weapons to carry out their repeated threats to wipe Israel off the map and thus bring about a second Holocaust. Mm-hmm. That was one option. The second option was, no, I don't believe that a nuclear-armed Iran poses a real threat to Israel. Okay? Uh, you know, we, we think of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, United Kingdom has nuclear weapons, but, you know, Israel doesn't feel threatened by the United Kingdom. France has mm-hmm. nuclear weapons. We don't feel – India has nuclear weapons. We don't feel endangered. So just having nuclear weapons isn't proof that it's a danger necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, but the third – and the third answer, of course, was I don't know. Right. So now this one was a much clearer answer. Right. The other one about do you think that the deal will work or not? People were like, mostly no, but maybe I'm not sure. Right. But regarding what happens if Iran gets the bomb, it was very clear. Fully two out of three Americans, 67.6 percent say they believe the Iranian regime wants to use nuclear weapons to carry out their repeated threats to wipe Israel off the map and bring about a second Holocaust. Hmm. Only 12.5%, 12.5% only said, no, I don't believe that a nuclear-armed Iran wow. is a real threat to Israel. And one in five Americans, 20%, said, I don't know. 
So two out of three, I mean, you almost never see on a poll yeah. of a major controversial issue that level of you know, unanimity on one side. And given that the, the current leadership in Washington today mostly is saying, I don't think we need to worry. We're going to be able to figure this out. The fact that two out of three people say, well, you better figure it out because we're talking about a second Holocaust, right? If there's 6 million Jews in Israel and one or two nuclear weapons, three, whatever the number is, could wipe us all out in an instant, Mm. a a flash of an eye, Mm -hmm. a a millisecond. What does that mean? Think about that. That means that if the Ayatollah, the, the Grand Ayatollah of Iran, Ali Khamenei, if he gets fully operational nuclear weapons, and can attach them to the high-speed ballistic missiles that he already has in mm-hmm. terms of range, that means Iran could do in six minutes what it took Adolf Hitler six years to do, hmm. and that is kill six million Jews. Wow. Right? Yeah. It took an entire you know, World War II yeah. for Hitler to, to exterminate six million Jews, but this could take six minutes. Wow. By the time you and I finish, if there are missiles inbound right now, all of Israel could be gone. So I don't believe that's going to happen because I don't think prophetically we have any indication that that happening, but that's the fear and it's an understandable fear. And that's the fear that the American people have. And I would say not enough people who are in positions of power, Hmm. not just in the United States, but all throughout Europe and in Asia and all over the world, not enough people have that level of concern, but they should. Well, this is such a, chilling thing to see that disconnect and see the direction that some of these go. And I think it points out some of the consistency of this poll is that it's surprising to see how many of these signs are clear to many Americans about where we are currently headed in biblical terms, where we stand. Uh, It was a fascinating poll. It was fascinating that we were able to pull that off in such a timely way. And I was so grateful, Joel, for your crafting those questions, which I think bring incredible insight into uh, where people are are thinking here in America. And as we know, many of our friends around the world also share these concerns. And and I appreciate it, Carl. And just one quick note, I know we've got to wrap, but I think it's important to note that even though we didn't ask the question about Iran in the context of prophecy, let's go back to what Jesus warned of as one of his uh, signs of the last days, right? He said, you need to be watching for wars. Okay, that's like mm-hmm. Russia invading Ukraine and rumors of wars. What are we dealing with when we're talking yeah. about Iran? We're talking about the rumor, the fear, the speculation, mm-hmm. right? It's not happened yet, but that when they get the bomb, they're going right. to use it. Or that Israel is going to think, well, we can't let them get the bomb, so we have to strike first, which could blow up the region. Or the United States might think that or someone. So this fits, in my view, it fits under the rumors of war because it's about wars that have not happened, but that more and more people think this could happen. And so it's affecting their thinking. It ought to affect our prayer life as Christians as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Like, I don't want people who listen to this podcast to think, well, we've got the Abraham Accords. We've gone from two Arab countries that have peace with Israel to Mm -hmm. six. This is good. It is good. But that does not mean that you should stop praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is more in danger today than it was in 1979. Yeah. It's worse today. Than it was. And that's why, you know, 80% of Jews, American Jews, say 
this is a second Holocaust coming. 77% of American evangelicals. So while the nation as a whole in America, it's two thirds, the numbers are much higher with, uh, with Jews who are watching more carefully mm-hmm. than the average American. And evangelicals who know biblically this is a big deal and the Iran regime is an existential threat. Well, the forever that God has made his word true, we can see again, you know, all of these things leading in directions that continue to reaffirm our confidence in scripture and uh, our belief that what God is doing is part of his great plan, which I don't know about anyone uh, listening, but for those of us at the Joshua Fund, that gives us great confidence to speak boldly and to really speak into these issues, to teach, to educate those listening. So we just pray that you would just continue to lift up and pray for Israel, pray for the peace of Israel, pray for the people of Iran and their current state of imprisonment, as Joel has said, in the nation that's led by radicals, and to continue to pray for those that are especially turning to faith in Jesus underneath those oppressive regimes. So thanks, Joel. Thanks for really teaching us today and to guide us through this incredibly confusing and and troubling times through biblical analysis and analysis of these uh, events that we can see on our news screens and on our phones. So thanks again, Joel, for your time. It's great been fun to talk about this poll and many other things. And and I want to thank all of our listeners for being on this call with us. And I want to thank all of our listeners to this podcast because we do this at the Joshua Fund so that you will understand a little bit more about what God is doing in the epicenter in both Israel and the neighboring countries so that you can pray more effectively and that you can bless Israel and the neighbors through attention and through your faithful prayers. And so that you can actually pray more effectively for our brothers and sisters in this region. And if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, visit our website. It's joshuafund.com. And there you can learn more about what we're doing in the Middle East to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work we're doing in this critical region. And as always, you can check out our show notes where you listen to this podcast for anything you heard on the podcast that you'd like more information on. And finally, for Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name's Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.